Good morning, small town radio goblins, and welcome to your favorite hub for all your entertainment, trivia, and comedy, small town radio. I'm your host, Maxim. Yeah. Uh-huh, he is. Yep. All I do is try to bring enthusiasm to the intro, and you just you just stop it down right away. <laughs> I feel like the way I want to do it is now introduce myself as Name Redacted, which we know the fans love. We have a large enough sample size. And then the artist known as at Connor underscore on Instagram. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I get a plug in. Um, multiple outlets, you know. Yeah. Power strip. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that would be it. Would be fun to have a website called Power Strip where you can just put all your plugs. Oh, I thought it was um for like instead of like power lifting, it's like people doing that but stripping. So they like do dead deadlifts and then they rip off their <laughs> uh their short their pants breakaway pants. They're they're power strippers. They're power lifting. They're stripping power lifters. Yes. Yeah. Some <laughs> cannon. Some cannonball shaped dudes just bending stripper poles. Um. <laughs> uh, well, we should say where we're going up top, right? That's the thing yeah. we do now. Yeah. Where are you going? On a trip in my favorite. <laughs> we are going to Canterbury, New Hampshire. Ooh, you hear that, folks? Another New Hampshire town. Yeah. <laughs> Favoritism. Very exciting. And we'll get to that in a couple minutes here. Um, first of all, follow us on Instagram at stradiopod and email us your town suggestions, facts, anything at all at smalltownradiopodcast at gmail.com and leave us like and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a five-star review, I will send you stickers and a lovely handwritten note. We have a... We're still sustaining that five-star review. We have a perfect score for the hundred million people who reviewed us. I'm surprised. Yeah, it is it is interesting. Um, What else is there? Even Good News, a podcast, had someone give it a three-star. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What did they I don't say? Know. <laughs> The whole, if you all don't know Good News, a podcast, the whole premise is spreading good news. And that means someone went out of their way to say, Good News deserves three stars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's uh, bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Well, since you're plugging that, um, I think we should plug some other stuff. Oh, uh, I'm not. <laughs> good News, a podcast is um, not uh, around right now anymore. It's on hiatus okay. again. <laughs> Indefinitely for the second time. Good news, a podcast that comes in and out of your life. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to say I was on a podcast uh, I recorded last week. The podcast isn't out yet, but I was on a show called Badly Explained with two comedians I met in Boulder. Well, one's a comedian, one's a filmmaker. Um, so shout out to Lucas Larson and Andy. Uh, oh, shit. What was that? <laughs> uh, I feel so bad. Uh, it's. Uh, Andy George, his his full name is Anaya George. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> I really just imagine that was like, you know, his middle when you do the middle name in quotations. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I totally goofed that one That's up. Right. Yeah, I, I was on that one. Um, couple like last week. Um, they're editing. They're not on like a regular release schedule, but I'll be sharing it on our story. So you guys should go check them out and support them. And also, both Connor and I, by the time this comes out, have been on our friend Alex Richards' Twitch show called Bed Sty Bed Guy, which is a channel he does like live stream comedy type stuff on. But the the main show is uh, thirty minute one liners. How no you? It's sorry, about thirty minutes bad. of one liners. Yeah. Yeah, so he brings comedians on, and they have one week to write 31 liners. And him and his guest will go through, and they just read them back and forth and play funny sounds from a soundboard afterward. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. good. Check it out. I am the, on... the videos are saved. You can go stream them now. Yeah, I am on this Monday uh, with Alex at 7 p.m., which, which is... no one... Yeah, it'll be last Monday by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but I asked for a very specific topic to write 31 liners about because the way I kind of work is through word association. Uh, so Alex and I heard uh, Maxim, you helped him with this. My word is monkey. Yeah. So if you want to listen to Connor beat a dead horse <laughs> with, with <laughs> 30 monkey jokes, uh, definitely, definitely check it out. It's not going to be alive by the time this comes out, but you can still go on to Bedsty Bed Guy at Twitch and check them out. They're saved videos. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's good stuff. So yeah, and um, I know you all have been clamoring. They were saying, "Where? When is Connor gonna finally, you know, get what he's been asking for? Get what some editing work. <laughs> editing work. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a YouTube channel out now called Podcasting with Connor. That that's just gonna go over like how to podcast. And I'm also taking on clients as a freelance editor right now. Also, interestingly, I don't know if I told you this, the idea for my other, like, I'm going to have a podcasting dedicated channel, but also a comedy dedicated one. And uh, I want the comedy dedicated one. I'm thinking right now of potentially just doing one segment that is just reactions to my my podcast editing one. Just be like, oh, who is this guy? How did, where, where, what are his credentials here? Oh, he he used the singular verb when there was a plural adjective. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you so. should you should re- do you did you uh, like record most of your open mic sets? Uh, not on video, no. Oh, I do audio. Oh, okay, I th- I think that's a good one to review old videos. Like I have videos going back to my first time performing stand up, and and they're not good. <laughs> They're not good. <laughs> yeah, I don't have those. Um, we've been plugging ourselves, though, but we have someone else to plug. Do we? Yeah, an advertiser. Oh, yeah. We're going to put that advertisement right here. Remedyboys.com is today's sponsor. They are an excellent choice for pure, natural, and chemical-free health remedies. Remedy Boys, with a Z, is well known for its MSM, Organic Sulfur Flakes, a natural remedy that releases toxins and restores and regenerates cells for healthy immune system. The passionate team is dedicated to improving immune systems all around the country. This is especially important in difficult trying times like today. Boost your immune system and discover the natural and powerful benefits of MSM, organic sulfur flakes. Whether you're an athlete, health buff, or looking to make a positive change in your mental and physical health, RemedyBoys.com offers the solutions you need to lead a better life. 
Be the change you want to see in the world. Visit their website at remedyboys.com. That's boys with a Z. And like them on Facebook slash Remedy Boys. You can also call them at 720-789-8505 to speak with a representative today. As a special offer, you can receive free shipping by entering the coupon name SMALLTOWN in all caps at checkout. That's remedyboys.com. That's boys with the Z. Receive free shipping with this offer. And we should add that we are not medical professionals. You should consult your doctor before taking any supplements. Welcome back from your <laughs> ad break. <laughs> uh, are you ready to go on a trip? I don't know. Are you ready to go on a trip? You set me up. Do you want me to sing again? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. We're, today, we're going to Canterbury, New Hampshire, uh, which is... Yeah. Oh, am I... Right. I'll oh no, it. you're doing this yeah, part. You're yeah. doing this part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the location of Canterbury, New Hampshire, is central southern New Hampshire, uh, in the middle of the wider part of the state. Everyone knows. Everyone should know where New Hampshire is, but New Hampshire like kind of cuts in and gets smaller near the top. Um, Canterbury is actually just north of Concord, New Hampshire. Holy shit! I just realized that New Hampshire is tiny Idaho. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> reverse though right because idaho's flatter on the western side oh i guess then vermont would be a tiny no because vermont gets smaller at the bottom let me look at a map <laughs> as he looks let that up look... the population of canterbury new hampshire is 2352 in 2010 so it's a it's a fairly small oh, yeah? town i'm gonna one-up you there on their website they oh. had a 2016 census nice. of 2,408. So they're on the up and up. Huh. I read. I think I read somewhere 2,355 as well. But I, I, this place is inhabited by an indetermined amount of human beings. <laughs> also, yes, New Hampshire is nothing like Idaho. It's mirrored. Vermont. Okay, New Hampshire is like a, a vertical or a horizontal mirror of idaho and vermont is a vertical mirror of idaho mm-hmm. <laughs> tell that to someone at I a just, party that's want, great like <laughs> drunk talk <laughs> i want to uh also prematurely dub this episode the canterbury new hampshire tales <laughs> why <laughs> have you ever read the canterbury tales no they are incredible I highly recommend to everyone to read the entire Canterbury Tales. They are... Is that a kid's book? What? Is it a kid's book? Jeffrey Chaucer? You're you're saying that to me like you think I'm someone who reads books. (laughs) You should have in your high school uh, curriculum heard at least about the Canterbury Tales. No, we read To Kill a Mockingbird, Catcher in the Rye, and then The Great Gatsby. And then there in was one four year where years I didn't of high anything. school. You read three books. Well, I also read a couple books on the side myself. Wait, those were the only books your high school asked you to read. Well, and to be fair, I didn't actually read. Uh, to no, Kill I didn't a read any of the books either. A, but we I got like at D. least four a year. Jesus. Well, you went to a private school though, right? No, I went to a public school. Pinkerton was public. Yeah, Pinkerton's a public school, funded privately, but it is a public school. We follow the state. You know, huh? Okay. Well, 
Yeah, I read that many. I read well, and I didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird, so I read two books my and that were assigned to me in high school. Yeah, I'm, I think I read about that many. But yeah, we had. I'm just blown away. Those are the only books you had. You didn't have like the Enlightenment period books or like uh, medieval literature, like any none of that stuff. Like in each year, like we did, like a year would be American literature, then a year would be British literature, and then some would be like nonfiction and like the curriculum built that way. All right, I'm gonna need you to back off a little bit, you bourgeoisie <laughs> pig. <laughs> I'm just standing up for the. I'm asking the questions we know our New Hampshire listeners will be wondering. I'm doing okay. my. <laughs> All right, I'm. I'm surprised that none of those were like AP classes. That was just your standard English courses. It was like, uh, there were different levels of classes. There's AP in honors, but I was in like the A level classes, which was you know regular, and there was also B level classes. Um, and I believe like C level as well, but for like the A level, which is like the higher standard level class, yeah, it would be about that many books. Wow, I'm floored by that. <laughs> anyway, back to facts. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on our own Canterbury Tales. If Max didn't read the book, then we will go there in person. And yeah, boy, okay. I, I can tell you these places are very different because the Canterbury Tales can get very dirty. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, okay. Canterbury, New Hampshire was first established by Lieutenant Governor John Wentworth in 1727. Very old. The town was named for William Wake, Archbishop of Canterbury, which is weird to me because if you were naming it after him, Name it Wakebury or something like they named it after the position the they named it after the job he had, not him himself, which is odd to me. Um, it was originally a militia timber fort and trading po- post for Captain Jeremiah Clow, located on a hill near Canterbury Center, where the Penanook Penacook Indians came to trade. The town would be incorporated in 1741. And there were several garrison houses or stockades in the area as late as 1758. So kind of an old-timey colony trading military post. Um, I thought when you said lieutenant, my mind immediately jumped to Lieutenant Dan. And then when you said captain, my mind immediately jumped to Captain Jack Sparrow. Just so everyone knows where my head is at for this recording. (laughs) See, when I hear lieutenant, I always think of Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911. Oh, and then Captain is Captain Morgan. Yeah. Not that I'm a big drinker, but that's just what it is. The Captain. Um, yeah, so Canterbury today is, uh, according to the town website, is primarily rural and residential with some small home-based businesses and several working farms. In addition, many of our residents, according to the website, work in neighboring Concord, which is the state capital. Uh, niche.com, a website that uses analytics to rank towns and not a plug. I'm realizing it sounds so much like a plug right now. Uh, gives Canterbury an A minus overall and classified the town as a suburb. Um, an and, A minus? Yeah. Actually, guess what they rank their diversity? What? C minus. Ooh, that's where the A minus probably got pulled down on its average. I was actually curious. I don't think they had anything above an A, and most of the stuff was in the B range. So. 
Mm, it was like it was, I don't trust this website. Yeah, Unplug the I don't website. either. The real thing is they classified it as a suburb, which makes sense. Uh, if you're yeah. unfamiliar with like suburbs, like especially New Hampshire suburbs, that means a lot of them don't have like a real central downtown or like a walking strip. Um, I haven't been to Canterbury, so they might have something like that. But, you know, Hampstead, that place that everyone loves on this show that they're like, go back to Hampstead, um, basically has <laughs> no no downtown real strip. Um, yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. Um, and then on Google Maps and the Maps app, if you Google Canterbury, and I assume that's putting you in like the town center or the, for lack of a better word, downtown, um, to the n- northeast is the Canterbury Shakers Village, which is where uh, I I believe both of us will be spending all of our time. Yeah, um, Canterbury, the, the Shaker Village, is actually interesting because it's home to all the facts in this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. If you're unfamiliar with Shakers, get ready to go on a trip in our favorite rocket ship. This is like this these this is like an absolute banger of some American history facts. Like I think uh this is something that like I was like, "Oh, whatever, they're probably just like Amish people or whatever." And then I started reading up on them and watching videos and I was like, "Yo, this is like Amish but dope." Like <laughs> it really is cool. It is wild. Um did you see you saw there are three shakers left in the US up in Maine? Yeah, there's there's three left. Okay, uh, okay. So this. Okay, I'm just gonna yeah, go. Just get into it. I'll, I'll tag along as we go. So the Shaker movement is a Christian offshoot of the Quaker movement that started in 1742, and one of the 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 kind of core ideals of it is it's like they they believe in creating a utopia on Earth by living as Christ would. So these people lived in like their villages were communes. So all the property was shared between all of them. They um, basically like everyone was a laborer. Uh, hang on. Let me, let me, let me kind of sum up real quick. Um, one of their big things, they were a super progressive Christian movement in a lot of ways. And one of the ways they were most progressive was that men and women had equal vote in the community affairs. So all the men and all the women in their society had equal say in what happens in their commune. And basically they were farming people and craftspeople, general laboring type people who lived in their insular societies. Um, the one like caveat to this, the one catch 22 here, is they practiced total celibacy, which... So basically the only way shakers came about was there were people who were converted to being shakers or wanted to join the shaker movement and then procreation was just prohibited. And that's why there's only three left. Well, yeah, people could join or people could adopt children and then at the age of 21, they would decide whether or not they wanted to stay in the community. Yeah. Um, Specifically with... um, With... This like the Shakers in the U.S. Uh, some specific history. Um, Shakers officially called themselves United Society of Believers in Christ's Second Second Appearing, um, but were named 
the shakers by the people of the world, which is non-shakers, non uh yeah, non-shakers, because of their shaking and trembling at worship that eventually involved to dancing. And the shakers began in England, uh, as Maxim explained. Um and the spirit literally moved them. They were shaking off their sin. Uh, Ann Lee, a mill worker who had visions of Jesus and a move uh, in a more welcoming place, brought a band of eight followers to New York in 1774. Uh, they established their first community in upstate New York in 1776. Um, and then in 19, uh, 1792, uh, they established a a uh, community in Canterbury, New Hampshire, which is, would be the first of two Shaker communities. Um, and their leader, Ann Lee, had passed away um, prior to this by uh, I th- I think I read three years. Uh, this is this is what really got me. And you touched upon the utopianism of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, let's see. I have it written down, and I just want to get this right because it was so. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, let's see. Um, so this is a quote from uh, Michael O'Connor, a curator of the Enfield Shaker Museum, which is the other Shaker community in New Hampshire, the other former mm-hmm. Shaker community. He said, "Picture a neighbor knocking on your door and saying, 'Hey.'" This new religion is starting and my family's going to join and donate all of our land. Want to come too? Now picture them saying yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it was. They had huge, a huge amount of land. Um, and what was it? In their height in the 1850s, there were 19 communities in the, in the country and 4,000 Four and a half thousand to about six thousand people that were involved in the Shaker movement. Yeah, so it was like a very popular religious movement for people that couldn't be born into it. These are all people who decide to join. And one thing you mentioned, someone, uh, Mother Ann Lee, kind of their mm-hmm. founder. So she's a really important figure in their religion. Can I just so, ask? I couldn't get the clarification. Did she believe herself to be the second coming? I think I read that somewhere, but I couldn't confirm it anywhere else. Uh, I don't know if she believed herself to be it, but basically the Shakers believe in the dualism of of God. And this is something that was like super progressive at the time. They believed that God was both male and female mm-hmm. simultaneously and that Christ, Jesus, was the first coming of God to earth in his male form, in its male form. And then they believed in the second coming would come later and they believed that Mother Anne Lee the person who kind of started this whole thing was the second coming of Christ, but in female form. And for them, their second coming prophecy was fulfilled. So it's not like other Christian denominations where they're like the second coming hasn't come yet. They're like, Oh yeah, she already came. She told us how to live. And now we live the way she said. And she, she had some interesting quotes that I uh, wrote down. And basically these people believe that, Every like every day in your life, everything in your life is a gift from God, including all the hard work they do. So one guy I was watching a video, he said, when you're scrubbing the floor, like it might like be a little painful, might suck. 
But like you think about it and you're like, I'm scrubbing the floor so other people can enjoy this space and bringing those people joy is like them experiencing God kind of thing. So one of their, one of her big quotes that is quoted throughout all their literature is from Mother Ann Lee and it's, put your hands to work and your heart to God. So labor for the community to basically like pray, like you're praying, you're praying and like showing gratitude for your life by working hard and serving your community. Um, Here's another one. Do your work as though you had a thousand years to live and as if you were to die tomorrow. So like, don't be, don't be uh, put down by big tasks that are hard work because you have a whole lifetime to live and it won't matter in the future, but also do those tasks as if if it's the last thing you're going to do. And this one was kind of fun uh, at the end. One of her quotes was, Good spirits will not live where there is dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and in in their um in I don't think it's in uh no it is in the this Canterbury Shaker Village, um their original communal house that they built with like their um their hall where they all gathered to pray in addition to like kitchens and other storehouses, their like great hall still has the original paint on the interior from like 1792 when they built it because they kept it so clean and so pristine. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Um, You mentioned the, the family, like families would join and there's, they were celibate. Um, And also as we now told you, the Canterbury's were very hard workers. And Mm -hmm. so if entire families moved in, um, that doesn't mean they'd, they would not live together actually. Like, um, the Canterbury community, well, communities, Shaker communities, including the Canterbury one, had different houses for, or different buildings for different occupations. Um, so, for instance, uh, they would have, um, if you were doing wool making in this community, uh, that would require a barn for sheep, and then a spinning workshop, uh, a weaving workshop, a tailor shop, and a storage area. And villages were grouped by families. Um, an organizational rather than blood division. And at first, each family built its own building of each kind. Um, so people like would live with their families, which actually means their their workers. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the day, that uh, what is it? Uh, hands to God, well, hands to work, heart to God. Mm-hmm. That would be like they would just work all the time. And you brought up the Amish thing, um, which is kind of like. Where that would my second fact was about like what are the the shakers? My third was going to be about the stuff they did, mm-hmm. because the shakers, while they were very religious, also were modern. Yeah, like, they were very technologically advanced for the era. I I what was it? Um, the shaker community, like in um, what is it? Uh, according to NewHampshireMagazine.com, the Shakers were among the first people in Canterbury to install electricity and drive cars. Yeah, and here's another. Here's some other cool ones. They invented the flat broom, like the classic broom we all know, the circular saw, and the washing machine. Those are all Shaker inventions. Well, the washing machine in particular. Um, so I have uh, among Shaker inventions, as you mentioned, also the clothespin. Um, and then a steam powered washing machine of which they sold to hotels. And that was specifically Canterbury. They Mm -hmm. patented, uh, a steam powered washing machine 
and the invention was recognized by mainstream society in the form of a gold medal at the Centennial Exposition in 1876. Wow. So they That's like super cool. Yeah. And I also read, um, what was it? Uh, among shakers more widely and outside of Canterbury, um, the shakers, uh, what was it? Where is this one? Uh, a Canterbury sister patented an oven with a revolving platform, much like today's microwave. Wow. So they were <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. They were like, uh, I have a good quote about it. Let's see. Um, well, so when machines were invented to make a, a task more efficient, the shakers bought them. The time of your life is God's gift to you, explained Daryl Thompson, a non-shaker who grew up at Canterbury Shaker Village and still works there. How you use time is your gift to God. If work is worship, the machines and gadgets are good because they save God's time. Interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These these people. I honestly, I was wa- just go look them up on YouTube. It's fascinating. In addition to all the stuff we talk about, but one thing I found interesting was they're very insular in their communities. So they all function as a communal unit, and they roughly stayed inside their own like communities. They didn't really go out much, but they're very welcoming to outsiders. And so they would be happily show people how they did things or like let them into their prayer services and like check things out. But they also realized that they can't sustain insular communities. So they exported lots of goods and the Shakers became known for their legendary handcrafted furniture, which apparently had like expert craftsmanship. And it wasn't fancy or decorated or anything, but it was very functional and very lightweight. They also had extremely disciplined farming practices because you have all these people on all this land and they knew how to plant and how to like farm and like save seeds and store for the winter and canned goods. So they also became known as being very reliable people because, well, in addition, they were also very frugal with their money. They knew how to spend their money wisely within the community, but they were always the people in the community that people could go to and buy seeds from or buy canned goods from because they always had enough for the winter. And one thing that they were big on is they found they could make a lot of money um, selling herbs to pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies. And they would sell like their crops to like people as well. But they found that they could make a ton of money by harvesting herbs and compressing them into bricks and then selling them to pharmacies in Boston. And that's kind of that inflow of money is kind of how they fueled a lot of their community. You're saying they were selling bricks of drugs? Herbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I found some inventions that were specifically, or some notable things that were specifically made at Canterbury. Um, Because in in addition to uh, the furniture, they were uh, great clothes makers. And a famous Dorothy cloak, which... Is in capitals where I read it, so you know it's supposed to be something. Uh, was designed and made by Sister Dorothy at Canterbury, and was worn by Grover Cleveland's wife at his inauguration. Oh, it's the. It looks like the Handmaid's Tale cloak. Yeah, I, the. Uh, so there's that, and then also um, the Canterbury people made sweatshirts, um, and so do the people at Enfield in their Shaker community. The people at Enfield made uh, shaker sweaters for Dartmouth, Canterbury, 
made them for Harvard. And that is why we chose Canterbury. Number one, baby. <laughs> That's cool. And honestly, like, I had so much fun learning about these people. Like, usually, like, when I do the research for this show, I do, like, a quick scroll through Wikipedia, kind of get the main points, check their website, try to get, like, a couple other sources. But then Shakers, I just started reading, and I was down the rabbit hole for, like, an hour and a half, just, like, reading and watching and learning about these people. It's so fascinating. Yeah, and I have a few things, a few last points about how it all wound down, because there's a Shaker Museum, as we said at the top, in Mm -hmm. Canterbury. Um, And so... This is what I found. So for a time, the system worked. The Shakers became the country's largest utopian experiment. After the Civil War, however, men had more options for paying jobs with the world's people, which are non-Shakers. Families needing to place children uh, could turn to social service agencies. Only for women did Shaker life, with uh, with its strict equality, offer clear advantages over the world outside. So Shaker villages continued as primarily female communities, hmm. delegating some tasks to hired work, which is that goes back to that point that you made. Um, and then, uh, what was it? Um, by fifteen, uh, by by nineteen fifteen, uh, a person named Bud Thompson came in, and I didn't get a lot of his story, but basically what happened was in nineteen fifteen, uh, nineteen fifty nine. Um, the Canterbury people foresaw the ending of their community and their population mm-hmm. dwindled, dwindling. Um, so when Bud Thompson came, he ended up staying and like helping work with, well, I don't think he's, I don't know if he stayed, but he helped work with the Canterbury people over the next year to start to establish the, the Canterbury museum. Uh, uh and that's, Decades before the last sister died in 1992, a nonprofit was already dedicated to preserving the 200 years of Shaker life in Canterbury. That's awesome. And I think uh, I want to throw in two quick facts here real fast Mm -hmm. that are kind of fun. Because you mentioned the Civil War and I forgot this one. But uh, the Shakers were pacifists. And Lincoln, President Lincoln, actually exempted male shakers from serving in the civil war and they became amongst the first conscientious objectors in american history wow and then one more fact the main criticism of shaker lifestyle back in the day was that they had equality of the sexes people back then were literally like they let their women vote we can't trust them and that was like they're like the only problem anyone had with them was that they let women have a say in their community which is ludicrous but in a nutshell the shakers were like i was i was telling my girlfriend about it and i'm like they're basically like they were like old-timey christian communists like that's that's the best way i can describe them they were like so progressive and so equal and so about communal living and they dedicated their lives to it i saw the word communalist they were communalists Ooh, that's a I didn't know that was a word. No, I didn't know either. And I like remember seeing it in my notes and I'm saying it now. I'm like, I really hope that's accurate. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Uh, Christian communalists, but yeah, they were uh the, you can still like go to Canterbury just, you know, northeast of the town and see all of this stuff. Yeah, I think this is of all the things in New Hampshire 
this is the thing that's really caught my attention the most that we've covered so far. Not the Crab Rangoon? We'll get into that in my Goblin Gallery <laughs> exhibition. Are you ready for it? Uh, do you want to throw in a one-word advertiser today? Snart. I've been watching 30 Rock, and Liz Lemon snarted in the last episode. Oh, okay. Do you know what that is? <laughs> you sneeze and you fart. Snart. Snart. Okay, and today I am brought to you by um, bees, a made-up word that is when you sneeze and you burp. When you burp and you sneeze is bees. How? Where, where does the E's come from? Sneeze. Sneeze. Oh, you're just taking the first. It's not a longer. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe I didn't read my books in high school. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready for your favorite, the new, the improved, the long-standing American tradition the Goblin Gallery. I like how you start with your first fact about it is the new, and then the last fact is the long-standing American tradition. <laughs> um, do you want to go first here? Sure, I'm going to go quick. Uh, this is like a short little thing I wrote. This is The Roast of New Hampshire by Max and Malin. I've left. I'm leaving the room. We're not. We do not. We're not. New Hampshireites, let's go. This could be more clever, but I'm just, I wrote this thing. It's like kind of a poem, kind of a joke. I don't know. Basically, Maxim defecates on New Hampshire. That's what's about to happen. He has a <laughs> giant map on the floor and his pants. Oh my, put your pants back on. We don't want to see you poop <laughs> on our state. This is going to be on YouTube, me pooping on a map. <laughs> um, okay. If you listen to the show, you know how many places in New Hampshire Connor has forced me to learn about none of which have inspired me to visit. You can tell me all about the famous people that went to Phillips, Exeter, or Pinkerton, but I'm not looking to reattend high school. You told Clearly. us how good... You told us how good... The, <laughs> okay. All right, Connor. <laughs> you told us how good the Crab Rangoons are in Hampstead. Hampstead. Doesn't matter. I'm vegan anyway. There's... <laughs> there's <laughs> Burn. I'm vegan. <laughs> There's that one mountain with a stern and wise face. But honestly, he probably voted for Trump. He fell <laughs> off in 2003. <laughs> okay. A, <laughs> a life with the Shakers would be quiet and fulfilling. But honey, a man has needs. And those are the wrong kinds of seeds. <laughs> Speaking of honey, how do you make a honey factory? Humans can't make honey... Bees make honey. <laughs> Pittsburgh, the furthest north, is the largest town in area by New England, which is a hell of a lot of land for me to not be in. <laughs> a great poet and writer once lived in Derry, but I would still give Robert the cold shoulder. And I just want to say I appreciate all the effort you've put in to convert me, but I will never pass on the opportunity to dunk on you and Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Platt. Oh, Chris what's Splatt. that smell? Oh, what have you been eating? Oh, there's poop on my keyboard now. <laughs> Why is it liquid? <laughs> and that last one, if you didn't get the reference, uh, that's an older episode with our friend Trevor Glassman from 
New Hampshire as well, and he was a basketball player. So Bedford, New Hampshire, yes. Yeah. Um, All right, what you got for us today, Connor? Well, Maxim's creativity is destruction and putting down mine <laughs> is things I wish the Canterbury Shakers had invented. Oh, I have a list of 10 things that I wish the Canterbury people, the Canterbury Shakers, had invented. Number one, salt shakers. <laughs> Two. Like, like mean shakers. <laughs> Number two, pepper shakers. Okay. Number three, my high school English curriculum so we could read more of the Canterbury Tales. Number four, a definition of canter that wasn't so specifically horse related. (laughs) Number five, Shakespeare. Okay. The next three, Steak and Shake, Shake Shack, and the Milkshake. Uh, the idea of shaking a present before opening it. Ooh. And the shake weight. <laughs> That's good. They would use shake weights too if they actually, I mean, if they moved the way they do at church with dumbbells, they're basically <laughs> inventing the shake weight. Yeah, those are the uh, the 10. Well, let me actually count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. 10. Yeah, there are 10. Yeah, nice. I know there's a nine before ten. Don't. <laughs> I also like the idea of Shake Shack being employed only by shakers, and like they get all their food and like they grow it all themselves, and it's just like ludicrously expensive, but so good. But so good. They're yeah. like, would you also like to try our circular saw while you're here? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 cut our lettuce with a circular saw, <laughs> and we tumble the 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 meat in our marinade in the washing machine. Steam powered. It cooks it and washes it at the same time. There we go. <laughs> and if uh, if things if and I just want to say if you think this episode stinks, then feel free to put a clothespin on your nose. <laughs> Kill me now. Do you see how now I needed to make the point about the Canterbury Tales up top, or else that fact wouldn't have hit? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'm sure I'm sure there are listeners who are much more well read than me who will appreciate it. Um, I just want to put this picture in everyone's head before we uh begin the closeout here. I read the entire Canterbury Tales on a train trip from uh Eugene, Oregon to Exeter, New Hampshire. And uh a lot of the Canterbury Tales, if not all of it, is in iambic pentameter. So imagine being on a train for three days and only reading iambic pentameter. And then you start it's to what? think that way. It was written in what? Iambic pentameter. It's a rhyming scheme. Oh. Okay. Like with rhyming, like every other line. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's iambic pentameter. It's whenever I say a big word on this podcast, I'm like 75% sure I know what it means. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it's rhyming like, so it's like rhyming couplets. Is it oh, rhyming okay. couplets or is it every other? I, I need to get my book back out. Um, yeah. But either way, listening to the train for three days, like hearing that chugging and then just thinking in like rhyming couplets the whole time. <laughs> I would say it was very enriching, but also that oh book is so dirty in some parts and I wow. get why they censor it in high school. <laughs> I'll tell you more about it afterwards. That That's crazy. I, uh, that reminds me of uh, the rapper Danny Brown said he learned to speak when he was a kid in rhyme because all he was ever read was Dr. Seuss. So when he first started speaking, it was all rhyme and now he's a rapper. Yeah. 
And that's what could have happened to you when you got off that train. But instead, you're like, I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else from Good you? Work. Um, once again, follow us at ST Radio Pod on Instagram. Hit us up at smalltownradiopodcast at gmail.com. Uh, check me out on Twitter at Maximum of Allen. I'm entering my second week of Twitter thinking I'm a bot. And follow Connor at Connor Kafia Chain Production on Instagram. And oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the business one. If you're looking to start a podcast, yeah, hit me up yeah, there. And, and then also uh, check out bed Bed Guy with Alex Richards, who was on an early episode of ours. And Where he said all towns are all small towns are awful. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, he was mean, but uh, yeah, you can you can check out me and Connor doing one liners there. Highly recommend it. Check it out. And that's all I got. Subscribe to this show, like it, uh, rate it wherever you're listening. If that's an opportunity, um, take care of yourself, stay healthy, support the people that need to be supported right now, and um, defund the police. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there are a lot of good podcasts out there that are um, talking about that. So go seek those out. Um, amplify the voice that needs to be amplified. Um, yeah. Do all the good things. Be good people. Be good people. Be good little goblins. Absolutely. Com- com- communal, go- communalist goblins. That's our fans. Just Our so- fans are now goblin shakers. <laughs> We're gonna once we make our own small town, we'll need a religion. So this is <laughs> this is a strong first place. This is good. Right this now. is good. The celibacy thing might we can probably do away with that, but the rest of it's good. I like the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's it for our episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to rate and I will give you a sticker. All right, that's all I got. Bye. Bye. Bye.